Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Jazz Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Read me at kslsports.com. And, of course, follow us on social media at KSL Sports. Also joined by Kristen Peake today. As you can see, you can find her on Twitter at Kristen Peake. Read her at Yahoo Sports. She covers all basketball, NBA, NBA draft, college, high school. I even saw a picture of you with the youngest Bagley brother who looks like he's in junior high. <laughs> on down to junior high at this point. You've got to be the busiest person in basketball right now, I think. I, I, yeah, uh, it's the name of the game. If you want to get to know these players, you got to be in the gym. And so, I mean, I, I remember I saw you at some of the playoff games for the Jazz, and it's my first year covering uh, NBA playoffs. So that was another, you know, kind of thing on my belt that I had to do this year. But it's fun. I always love it. And I love seeing these players that I've covered since high school, like Donovan, who we've talked about, um, just kind of shine on the big stage and being able to write about them and cover them. So it's a lot of fun. Yes, but. But leading up into the draft, I mean, my work is insane until the draft night. Then we ran into each other uh, on Namias Keda's uh, Zoom call after his draft combine. So I think we're just going to keep crossing paths until <laughs> forever, I guess, until one of us loses, uh, is out of the industry. And we'll see how. I, I bet you, you yes. beat you to that. <laughs> I bet you, you survive longer <laughs> than I do. Uh, anyways, let's uh, talk a little bit about the Jazz. Because like you said, you and I ran into each other at game three in Los Angeles, which is really when this series started to shift. The Jazz were up 2-0. They lost the last four games. Yes, they were without Mike Conley throughout, but the Clippers were without Kawhi Leonard for the last two games as well. As you've stepped away from it and you got to cover the Jazz a lot this year, what what do you think happened in the playoffs? And, and if you're a, covering the Jazz, what, what do you think about them going into the offseason? I mean, to me... Like going into game three and seeing the atmosphere, like you saw it and you tweeted about it. Like it was dead. I was at Sierra Canyon the night before and there was more there was more energy at a, at a high school basketball game. Mind you, LeBron was there with Drake watching Bronny play. But there was more energy at a high school basketball game than a playoff basketball game at Staples. So to me, I just thought I was like, oh, it's done. You know, the Clippers are over. Um, and that game, you know, they they kind of 
made a statement and I just thought to myself, um, all right, well, they'll, they'll win one. And then um, I covered game four back here in Utah. And that was like, I mean, just seeing jazz fans walk out of the arena, as I'm sure you did. I mean, it looked like somebody had like put a dagger in their heart and ripped their heart out, you know? Um, And I, and honestly, I think it was just a perfect storm and nobody expected a player like Terrence Mann to step up or Steven Jackson, um, Steven Jackson, right? No. Who is the little Reggie guard? Jackson. No, Reggie Jackson. So I was like, yeah. Steven Jackson, that's not yeah. that right. He's been Reggie retired Jackson for a little while. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, Reggie Jackson to step up, and especially in game six when um, Terrence Mann, uh, you know, a second-round draft pick who spent his first year in a two-way and wasn't really an impact player at all, only missed six shots. Like, nobody saw that coming. So um, it was the perfect storm, and I I don't know what to say to Jazz fans after after what happened. So they go into the offseason now. The big question is about the future of Mike Conley. They're up against the luxury tax already, but they own his bird rights, so they can resign him and bring him back. But it you know even if you spend twenty million on him, it might cost you thirty in taxes. You know like it's going to be a huge yeah. investment from Ryan Smith and ownership. If you're the Jazz and you know you just don't get the ability to get all-star point guards or all-stars of any kind to sign in Utah, do you go above the break, assuming that Ryan Smith says, yes, I can afford it? Obviously, you know, he's worth $8 billion. He can afford it. Do you bring back Mike Conley at all costs? Or do you say, hey, you think Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and a couple of tweaks here and there can keep the championship window open? No, I think you bring back Mike Conley. I mean, you saw how we saw it in the regular season, like what, how everybody performed well with him on the court consistently. And then when you didn't have them for in, for those few games in the playoffs and then you brought them back, they, they kind of had to figure things out, right? So I think if you're going to make a run at the championship again, again, you have to keep Mike Conley unless you're going to make a push in free agency for Dame Lillard or Brad Beal. There isn't anybody at the 30th pick in this year's draft that the Jazz are going to get that are going to be able to plug in right away that are going to bring them better. It, it, nobody's going to be better than Mike Conley at pick 30 in this draft. Yeah, it's certainly not in the next few years. You know, I mean, even if yes. you were to get a steal like a Rudy Gobert or a Jimmy Butler, those guys just take a while. Pascal Siakam didn't come Pascal for several seasons. You know, it just takes a while. So I'm with you. I think you have to bring Mike Conley back. Even if you're bringing him back to trade him down the line, at least you get those assets back. If you let him walk now, yeah, you save $20 million, but you don't have cap space to spend it somewhere else. You can only spend that money on Mike Conley because he was on your team last year. So I'm with you. I think you got to bring back Mike Conley at all costs. You bite the bullet now, but I think it'll benefit you down the line. So Phoenix Suns are headed to the finals. You've got the wonkiness going on right now with injuries to Trey Young. Giannis isn't going to play tonight, unfortunately, for the Milwaukee Bucks. So I think the finals are going to be fun, regardless of who comes out of the East. But now as the finals are over, or, or we're getting closer to the finals, and the Jazz season is over, of course, that means the NBA Combine is here because the NBA draft is uh, heating up. And you were actually at the NBA co- – or you were on the phone, but you were at the NBA no, Combine. No, no, I was there, yeah. yeah. So not a lot of people get to go to it. They used to be more open. Obviously, pre-COVID, they let a bunch of fans in. But you were able to go cover it for Yahoo Sports. What What's that event like in person? I've never been to it. So I'll tell you what. Like I've been a couple of years ago um, – and it was night and day in terms of access to the players, like mostly the players just roam around and you can talk freely to them. Um, the media scrums, you know, are in person. Uh, you can you're watching where they had it this year was an arena. So we're farther away and where they've had it in years past is this sports complex 
place that's a little bit outside Chicago. Um, there's an unlimited amount of team personnel that are allowed to attend in the years past. This year it was only 10. Um, college coaches were all allowed to be there. And then, of course, media members. I think there was probably I in person probably only about 10 or so media members. And, wow. you know, it was one of those things where we had to prove our vaccination. When we first arrived, we had to get tested again. Um, and then we had we were in a specific space away from team uh, team personnel and obviously players, we weren't allowed to interview them in person. So a little bit different feel, but, um, you know, you still got a lot of good stuff coming out in terms of the measurements and the two on two and three on three drills, the two days before the scrimmages. And then in the scrimmages, it's always disappointing to see the players that duck the competition that necessarily shouldn't be like Luca Garza player of the year who slimmed down. Um, who may not even get drafted, he should have played. Isaiah Todd, who was on the G League Ignite team, who's a borderline, you know, mid-second round, late-second round player, he should have played. Marcus Bagley from Arizona State, BJ Boston from Kentucky. Those are all players that should have played, but they ducked the competition and the, when the scrimmages came. And it's always disappointing to see. You, like, you know it's going to happen every year, but every year you're just like, come on. <laughs> Like, yeah. who's, who's telling you that you shouldn't be playing? It doesn't make any sense. And, and you do end up with guys who, it was Quentin Grimes a couple of years ago, yes. who hurt himself really badly. And actually, Namias Keita hurt himself really badly two yes. years ago in the scrimmages. Top of fall, like, murdered Nimi in the scrimmages. But then they came back, and Grimes played really well. He was and the best Keita player. played really well. Yep. And so it ended up benefiting them. You had an article at Yahoo Sports, eight guys who really improved their stock. Let's start with Namias Keita, because he has some local interest. I, he's been projected as a late second round pick by a lot of people, some even undrafted. Can he get to the first round now? I think he's a first round draft pick. And, you know, when I talked to him when we were on the Zoom together, I said, I was like, look, you led the NCAA in block shots. You had 97 total blocks this year, but it's Evan Mobley who's getting all the praise as the best shot blocker and best defensive rim protector in this draft class. Like, what do you have to say to that? And, you know, he answered it real truthfully. He said, I think I'm the best shot blocker in this draft class. It doesn't matter if I'm going up against someone that's a low major player like myself or a high major players like the players I played with or I played against in these scrimmages. It's basketball is basketball. And that's what I'm here to show these scouts. And I think that's what he did it. And I know a lot of teams that they'll say they'll say to me, they'll be like, oh, KP, Keep him out of the first round. We really like him because they don't have a first round pick, you know, so there is going to be interest there. And I think his personality is great. So I know he did well in the team interviews. And I think I think he's a player that can like if I'm if I'm a team in the late 20s and I'm either going to take Charles Bassey from Western Kentucky or Nimi, I'm going to take Nimi for sure. If I was the Jazz and I didn't draft Yudoka as a bookie yes. last year, kind of inexplicably, I would have looked at Nimi Escada as a guy to come in and replace Derek Favors. But the Jazz... The Jazz absolutely just cannot draft another big guy. No. No. <laughs> Probably not for a few years after Tony Bradley and and uh, and Yudoka Azabuki and those guys just really not working out the way they'd hoped so far. We'll see. It's pretty early on uh, on Azabuki's career. But you have eight guys who showed out. Uh, we talked about Keita. Who's a couple other names that you thought jumped out and really helped themselves the way maybe Kyle Kuzma did a few seasons ago where he worked himself out from being, you know, late second round pick to guaranteed money. And he's going to make, you know, 50 or 60 million dollars during his NBA career, at least. You know, what? there's a player that a lot of people don't know about, and that's because he played at VCU um, and VCU was unable to play in the tournament game against the uh, I think it was Oregon. They were supposed to play because of COVID issues. And, and that's Bones Highland. 
Um, and he just came out and was the best player on the court during the scrimmages. He played really well in like the two on two and three on three the day before. But in those situations, that kind of caters the guard play. So it's like you're looking to see how is this floater against seven footers? Like, how is he dishing around the rim? Can he make pull up threes? You know, is he making right reads? And he made all the right reads. And so he only played the one day. And then I think his agent was like, shut it down. Yeah. We don't want you to get hurt. Which we is what you- Kuzma did. Yes. Yeah. And he's a player. A lot of teams were looking at him and their their eyes are just like getting bigger and bigger because they see him. They see a lot of John Morant in his game, a lot of Emmanuel quickly um, in terms of the smaller guard. Like he's only 6'3", 170, um, but can play really well and just makes all the right reads. And is someone where you look at someone like like you look at a team like VCU, which is like a mid-major. How is that going to translate to the league? Well, he showed no problem. Yeah. Uh, Jazz have had some history drafting VCU kids. Eric Maynard came out of VCU, but I mean, that was a long time ago. Certainly a different group. But but yeah, certainly I, I think the Jazz look at their roster. They won't know if Mike Conley's going to come back until early August. The draft is on July 29th. So they may want to add some insurance at the guard position, understanding that Joe Ingles is in the last year of his uh, his contract and maybe his career in the United States. Donovan Mitchell can play both guard spots if you need him, but if you could, wanted to find a guy who can play both spots, which which Nishan or Bones Highland can kind of do a little bit, you could go in that direction as well. Other guys around the end of the first round, you think that makes sense that could play, you know, on the perimeter or in the backcourt? Yeah, Quentin Grimes, we already mentioned his name, someone that came here two years ago uh, after a horrible year at Kansas. And you got to remember, coming out of high school, Q was a five-star prospect. He was a McDonald's All-American. Like, he was at the top of his game, you know. And so to have a disappointing year at Kansas, not play well at the Combine, have to go sit out a year at Houston, and then he was AAC Player of the Year this year. He came back with kind of like a lot of confidence. And when I saw him two months ago, I went to one of his workouts in Memphis. He just said to me, he's like, KP, I see these mock drafts. And I see these guys that are supposedly better than me that teams are going to look at to pick before me. And I can't believe it. And I'm just out here to show all these teams at the combine, like that I'm worth a look in the first round. And that's what he did. Like the second scrimmage, he was the best player on the court. He had 27 points, including seven threes. I think he had. And after night one, his agent called me and he said, Hey, Q wants to get shots up tonight. And it's like 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, tonight, and he goes, yeah, do you want to come by? And he was just like locked in. And, and I was like, well, is he going to play tomorrow? Are you guys shutting it down like bones? He's like, no, he's playing. And I think that's really helped him. And I know teams that are like they're they're only going to look at workouts now that are, you know, in the in the teens to the 20s for um, for going forward for Q. So I'm excited for him. He is someone that I think would excel in anything, any team, give good minutes. So if he's there at 30 yes, I think the Jazz would have to take a look at him. And that's good for those five-star kids that are so highly ranked because they have the talent. They have the raw natural ability. They've got the athleticism generally. And I don't need to say he needed to be humbled going to Kansas, but you know he had everything he needed. And then you have to learn how to kick into that next gear with your work ethic, how to face a little bit of adversity. Mm-hmm. Because even a top pick is going to face adversity when they get to the NBA. You know, Cade Cunningham's going to have issues when he gets to Detroit and has, and we'll talk about that coming up in a minute. But, you know, you, you have to learn how to continue to play and, and how to get better. So that might end up being a kind of a blessing in disguise for him and a guy that jazz could look at a couple other names. You don't have to go super in depth that might, that you think have value late in the first round. The ha- value late in the first round. Um, 
I mean, I wasn't too high on this player, but if we're looking at point guards um, that down the line could surprise a lot of people, Sharif Cooper is an extremely great playmaker. Um, his first game back, I think he had like 12 assists at Auburn. Um, you know, just so just a great playmaker, not that big. Don't be fooled by his six foot four combine numbers. Those were not true. He's about six one, yeah. but just a great point guard, great playmaker, another five star prospect coming out. Um, it has a little bit of swagger to him and has a chip on his shoulder. So yeah. um, he's he's someone that I wish would have played, but we didn't unfortunately get to see him at the combine. And then um, you so projected he, Trey Murphy from Virginia Trey to Murphy. the Jazz, your latest mock. Yes, I know. I, I love Trey. I think, you know, he's a 6'9 guard, so he's more of that 2-3 wing. But I think he's got a lot of room for improvement in terms of at the next level. I think the NBA game caters to him more than the college game. The college game is more structured, and he's more of like – a free-flowing wing off the dribble. He has a great first step. He only averaged, I think it was like 11, 12 points at Virginia, uh, 3.4 rebounds, but he shot 50% from the field and is a great outside shooter. So he's someone that would bring more size to the organization. But again, another another sort of stash player. He's a little older as a junior, so he wouldn't need that much time for development. But I think he's a sleeper pick as a first-round pick. And he's been at Virginia, so he's been super yes. well coached. He's competed yes. at the highest level. He's kept that kind of a goofy release. He kind of slingshots it, but it, he gets it off really quick and it goes in. And, you know, that's all that made you look at uh, Desmond Bain last year. I mean, he had one of the goofiest shots I've ever yeah. seen. And then all he does is hit threes and play good defense for Memphis <laughs> now. And every jazz player or every jazz fan wish they drafted him. So uh, there's there's room for guys like that. Plus, they could use length. 6'9 with a 7-foot wingspan. The jazz could use a guy like that. Uh, that's great for, for picks at the end of uh, at the end of the first round. What did you make of the lottery? How the lottery balls fell? What the top? Because you said last time you were on, there's as many guys, there's as many as top as five players who could be considered a number one pick in this draft. You still feel that way? And and how did the lottery balls change that? You know, I think De- Detroit is, they're pretty excited about Kay Cunningham. I talked to Mike Boynton, who's the head coach at Oklahoma State, um, and who was the first one to ever offer Kay Cunningham a scholarship when he was in eighth grade. And he said that he's talked to everybody in the organization from top to bottom for, from Detroit. So they're obviously doing their homework and there's a lot to like about Kate. I mean, he's, he's, he's the best player in this draft class, yeah. but I do think that a lot of teams, I, I do think Detroit should honestly take a look at Jalen green, who I would love to see go to to Houston. They might go and take Evan Mobley because they want some size in the lane, but Nothing excites me more than uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green in the backcourt at Houston. They're both extremely athletic. I mean, we saw KP, Kevin Porter like get fined 50 grand, and then the next day at a game, he's like, I'm going to score 50 points. And so against he, the Bucks, against okay. a good team. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he has he has like the next the next level to turn it on. I think Jalen has the same thing. Um, so to see those two in the backcourt would be incredible. And then Evan Mobley, I think in terms of number one and, and who Detroit would be looking at, those three would be the ones that I think would get a good look at number one. Uh, and then dropping down, uh, the Toronto Raptors actually ended up climbing into the top five. That's a huge boost for them, especially because they have to figure out what they were going to do with Kyle Lowry. It makes him really easy to walk when there's a guy like Jalen Suggs who might be sitting there yeah. at four. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Suggs, he's not going past four. So whoever, like if, you know, uh, if the, the Cavs aren't, well, the there are rumors swirling that the Cavs might, <laughs> they might trade Colin Sexton. So if that happens and they want to bring in another guard, Jalen Suggs will probably go there. But if he doesn't, he falls to four. Like, it's a no-brainer. You got to pick him up. Like, everybody saw the 
what he did at Gonzaga this year as a freshman, as a new player, and just that giving us like the great one of the greatest NCAA tournament moments right. in that win against UCLA. You can't you can't pass on that. All right. Any other uh, thoughts as we're what four weeks out? Are we four weeks out from the draft? Exactly today. We're four weeks out. So <laughs> uh, any other quick thoughts? We'll have to catch up with you again over the next few weeks before we get closer. But h- how do you feel about the draft and where it is right now? I love this draft class. I've said it time and time again. This is my favorite draft class in the last 10 years. There's a lot of star power potential, but there's also a lot of depth that could that could come from this draft class where we're looking back seven, 10 years ago or 10 years down the road and be like, wait, he went what in in the in the 2021 draft? Like, that's insane. But, you know, a kid that I think is going to win a lot of NBA games that nobody is really talking about. I'm actually going to write a story on like the most intriguing draft prospect is Scotty Barnes out of Florida State. Yeah. You know, he was someone at the Combine. He His agent advised him not to play, duh, because he's like a top six, seven draft pick. But he was in the gym the entire time watching both scrimmages. Actually, the second day, he sat on the bench with one of the teams. His Florida State teammate, Raekwon Gray, was playing. And he was in the huddles. He was giving feedback, and he was cheering on his seat. Like, this kid lives and breathes basketball, and that's something you can't teach, even with a ton of money involved. So, I think he's going to be someone down the road where, you know, he's going to have an incredible NBA career. Something in the water in uh, Tallahassee. The Florida State yeah. program is insane. Right Hamilton, now. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. I mean, even Trent Forrest, who went undrafted last year, looked when he was on the floor for the Jazz, he looked like an NBA player to me. Yeah. So they've got a it was a Patrick Williams was a top 10 pick yep. last year as well. So that's uh, that's turning into a very good basketball school. And it's fun to watch. Uh, find her on Twitter at Kristen Peak. That's Kristen with a Y reader at Yahoo Sports. If you're getting into the draft, uh, there's really nobody better in the business. We're always so grateful when she can jump on with us. Kristen, we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Ben. Anytime. There she is. Kristen Peak from Yahoo Sports. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.